0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. I'm Tanya Mosley. In 1987, my sister Anita vanished without a trace. Decades later, thanks to DNA, we found her. But that's only the beginning of the story. She Has a Name is a new audio documentary that explores the search for redemption, confronting trauma, and healing in the face of unimaginable loss. Subscribe now to Truth Be Told Presents She Has a Name, where every revelation brings us closer to the truth.
2: Hi, this is Women Who Travel, a podcast from Conde Nast Traveler. I'm Lale Arikoglu, and I'm hosting solo today because Meredith is off in Sweden having a fabulous time. Joining me today is Erin Florio, Senior Editor at Traveler, another Senior Editor, Catherine LaGrave, And Sidra Bergstein, who's also a Condé Nast, I was going to say employee, that sounds very formal and odd. (laughs) Contributor? (laughs) Sidra's over at Condé Nast CoLab and she's a brand lead over there. And in another life, she was a flight attendant. And we'll have lots of interesting insights for us today because we're doing a whole episode themed around the worst things we do when we're on an airplane the big no-no's of air travel, all the things that drove Sidra mad, (laughs) as someone who had to be in the air or in an airport every day, all the things that we do that we might not like to admit that we do. And so um, we were thinking about how to do this podcast. We fielded the question out to our Women Who Travel Facebook group, and I have to say, I think it was the most vocal response that we've had (laughs) since the group began a year ago. The comments were absolutely endless about the things that people Go crazy about um, in air travel. Not too many people admitting their own bad habits, and so I thought it would be interesting to force us all to admit a few of our own misdeeds <laughs> on the air. On the air. <laughs> so I thought we could play a little game of Never Have I Ever,
3: and I'm just going to read through. It a sounds list. like so much more polite in your nice accent. <laughs> Not accent, but you know, yeah. Because no me one has just, an accent. Exactly. To me, it's just a
2: voice. Sorry, derailed it. Go ahead but it is, it's my most valuable asset (laughs) in America. And I figured I've pulled some of the ones that either were absolute classics or really, really made me laugh. And I thought I could go through and see who admits to what. And maybe we could have a little debate over some of these as well. So the first one that came up time and time and time again was Gate Hoverers. I've done it. I'm not going to lie. I've done it. I don't like it. I'm not proud of myself.
3: I've done it. Catherine? Yeah, I do it too. Um, I'm proud of myself. Hey, I want to get on the airplane. It makes me nervous. It makes me feel better to stand closer. So I'm going to do it. Does it make you feel better though? Because I always think it does. And then you're up at the front with these nervous
2: other people. I don't want to not be able to bring my bag on board. And
1: I hover mostly because it becomes mob mentality and I trust myself more than I trust the yeah. other passengers who I don't know and they're all getting angsty and I need to save myself and I just need to do what I need to do and I am aware of my environment and the people I'm competing with. So I try not to, but they force me into it. And I'm
3: gonna be anxious no matter what. Like I feel like I'm more anxious sitting down watching more people get up mm-hmm. and like me what Aaron said, watching them and being like, but what group are they? And I know what group I'm in. I should be <laughs> up there, shouldn't I already? And there's always, always people gonna <laughs> who don't know what what group
1: they're in. I have to say one of the really fun things to do at an airport is just kind of be a silent observer of the way people interact during this exact part of the boarding process because people do weird shit and they go, do shady shit and people try to lie and like, oh, I, I have a small child. Yes, where's my 12 year old? And I'm like, that nah, kid's, nah, kid's not a small child.
4: People act I'm weird. i really of the like, gate hopping. Um, I hover right at the front no matter what, and I'm the first one in line when my stone's called, just because I, I do photography. So I always have a lot of expensive equipment, and there's no way in hell they're putting that under the plane. So I'm incredibly anxious to get on board and make sure that that bag gets in the overhead bin. Even though I know it's driving everyone else mad, I don't care.
2: <laughs> so your inner flight attendant isn't like, don't do this because you're going to stress out the people that are actually at work right now.
4: No,
2: I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Good to know. I actually, um, when I was flying to London a few weeks ago, I saw a woman grab her 14-year-old daughter who looked mortified, take her up to the front and say, I have a child with me. Can we board yeah. immediately? And this poor teenager kept on just being like, stop it. Please stop. Mum! stop. <laughs> oh, gosh. They weren't allowed to board. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, next one. I'm definitely guilty of this. Not having documents ready at TSA, at the gate, either one. I
1: always have my documents ready. Always. Likewise. I mean, there may have been once or twice where for whatever reason
3: I didn't, I like
1: have them ready to go all the time.
3: Yeah, I, Aaron I know we're the same I I do too and like my my husband I drive him crazy because I'm like every like we'll set the bag down and we'll be sitting then we'll go get something to eat and then I'm like but you took something out of the bag can you show me the passports again are we sure that we have them and he's like where would we have dropped them I'm like I don't know they fall out so like you got to be prepared and when you get in like I'm TSA pre-check and when I get in that line I've got my stuff out like no matter how far back I am I'm like ready to go sorry
4: (laughs) That's one that gets um, goes back to my days. I was a gate agent actually for a little bit before I was a flight attendant, and one of my biggest pet peeves in that role was when people didn't have their documents ready, especially boarding an international flight. Like you'd get families who'd, who'd have a stack of like 10 passports because they have their entire family traveling with you. And instead of having each person hold their own and hand them to you one at a time, they just give you a stack and you're supposed to sort through the boarding passes and the documents all by yourself. And it's madness. So that's one thing I'm actually really, really good at. And it's at. not open to the page.
3: Exactly.
4: Oh,
1: I hate when it's not open to the
4: page. Mm. Too. It's yeah. obnoxious. <laughs>
2: Well, would you be able if it, when you were handed that pile of like insanity, would you be able to be like, no, you have to sort through this and then come back?
4: It depends if I was in a good mood or a bad yeah. mood.
2: <laughs> I think I would have been. I would. I would have been in a perpetually bad mood. Um, okay, so this one actually is one of my favorites. Ate three boiled eggs on a plane. <laughs> uh, definitely not. No, never. I never ever
3: have done that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's a weird one. No, I've had a tuna and egg sandwich, oh. but never, never on the three plane that you brought oh, it it with Wait, very- you. sat
2: on a plane and cracked open a tuna and egg sandwich. <laughs> it was a very tight
3: connection. We hadn't taken off yet. Packless Shout Mally- out to Iceland Airport. No, oh. it was mm. Reykjavik, and I was running to go. And I don't like to eat on like meals on the plane, so I thought you oh, said it like oh, tuna- it's Rome. <laughs> I get carried away. <laughs> No, but it was like I had a short connection and I didn't have time. So I went to the little like this was Reykjavik years ago when they didn't have like all the the fake icebergs in the airport and the design. Yeah. So it was just like grabbing a pre-made sandwich and I took that on the plane. So, yes, sort of guilty.
4: I don't think I've ever eaten three boiled eggs, period, (laughs) let alone on a plane. I've never eaten one in my life yeah, I'm, I'm definitely not. I'm fairly thing. understanding of people who bring on board smelly food in general, just because I know there's tight connections and sometimes you just grab whatever you can in the airport and aren't thinking about it. but it's still awful when you're sitting next to that person.
2: <laughs> who was it? I feel like it was someone in the office who was talking about they were on a plane and the person next to them bought on a full pizza in a box. Yeah,
3: it was I, it was somebody. I can't remember I who it remember
2: was. That. I don't
4: For full pizza.
3: Oh, how full, do you even get that through? Full pizza is better than like I was flying recently and the girl next to me Oh, <laughs> uh, maybe this again I ate a tuna for sandwich. But she took off her socks and then started eating sushi. And she put her socks in the aisle.
1: That's <laughs> that's just really weird behavior. <laughs> like what? Just like
3: <laughs> discarded yeah, them. Yeah, and I was just kept like doing the passive aggressive thing where I would look at her and be like <laughs> Oh, the look! I I give people the look all the time. I've mastered the the look.
4: Related the sushi and the socks, like was this like a ritual behavior that she took off her socks before eating her sushi? Maybe she's
3: she was just really settling in for the long flight, and I was like, oh gosh. (laughs) Also, I have to. I'm like such an advocate for fast
1: food. You know, I will like never shy away from Wendy's, but don't bring fast food on a plane. That's like one of my golden rules. It stinks. Mm
4: -hmm.
1: McDonald's on a plane.
4: Yeah. From the point of view of a flight attendant, it's—I hated it when people brought French fries on board yeah. because it smelled so good, and we had no chance to eat. Like we were, we were living off of Biscoff cookies and like slices of lime you steal from the drink cart. So, <laughs> smelling French fries was just awful for us because we'd be—we wouldn't have time to get that kind of food. Wait, so what routes did you fly on? Ah, uh, there are no set routes for a flight attendant. So I would fly international. I would fly domestically. It was it really just depended on what I bid on, and I would always just try my best to go somewhere I hadn't been before. So every day was different.
2: What were some of the highlights? Did you have anywhere that you that you kind of like would try and get back on flights to go to?
4: Oh, absolutely. I mean, the international ones are always great. Lima, Peru was a riot. We went out to a a drag club at night with some of the locals and just like danced salsa all night long, and that was amazing. And then uh, Alaska, like Anchorage is a really great layover. I just rented a car, drove down the Seward Highway, Amsterdam is always a good time. All all of the places you would suspect, anywhere international where you can go out with your crew and have an amazing time. I have a question for you.
1: Were there ever incidents where you guys met people on the plane that were cool and then you ended up going out with them in their city once you got there? Or is that sort of like breaking I a rule of sorts? Breaking or the or, ultimate air no, travel I, like, <laughs> I don't know. If, maybe this is no, The law <laughs> of the sky. <laughs> yeah.
4: yeah, that's sky law. Okay, sky law broken. To be honest, the passengers, for the most part, Joe was crazy. Yeah, sure oh, You never want to see them again. <laughs> <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> but we went out as a crew very frequently.
2: And so you always had the same crew? You were like allotted to the same team and you traveled no, everywhere together? That's,
4: that's the best part about being a flight attendant. If you don't get along with the two or three or four, of other people you're working with you never have to see them again you can avoid them on your schedule for the rest of your life so it's uh you usually have just like three days or so spent with a crew and if you like them you hope to work with them again otherwise you probably never never will see them again
2: that's so fascinating i feel like when i sit on the plane i always sort of think of all of the flight attendants as this like unified group of people that travel the world together and like get me from a to b
4: they definitely do feel like a family for those three days because you get to know each other just really well, really quickly. And then uh, some families, it's good to split up. Other ones, it's good to <laughs> continue the relationship.
2: <laughs> well, that leads me to, not really leads me to my next question, but we're all on theme, which is also, con- I think this one is as contentious as gate hovers, which is hogging the overhead storage.
1: I've never intentionally hogged the overhead storage. I'm very... I I think I'm very considerate of the other people. Mm -hmm.
3: Yeah, I usually put my rolling bag up there and then I will wait to put my backpack and jacket. If there's space, then that's great. But I feel like I usually do try and stick it under the seat in front of me. So not guilty. Zitra, how many things do you think a passenger is allowed to put up there?
4: They should put their rolling bag. They can only put things up there that do not fit under the seat in front of them Mm -hmm. unless it's like a wide open flight and there's tons of space. That's actually one of my biggest pet peeves is when people put everything up there right away, especially in wintertime when people have coats. They put their coats in the overhead bin and the people in the back of the plane get stuck checking their bags because they're taking up so much space with tiny things which they could hold on to or put under the seats. That's, That's a huge pet peeve of mine.
2: So one thing that I feel like I keep noticing, it's incredibly gendered and I know that I'm wrong. But um, it just so happens that every time I've seen it, it's been a man doing it, which is putting the carry-on suitcase in the overhead the wrong way. And then just being like, won't work, don't know, won't fit. And then they just sit down.
4: (laughs) And then they want the flight attendant to fix it for them.
2: Yeah, exactly. So I'm not not wrong.
4: No, you're not. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Although I will say, say that female travelers seem to be more likely to have a bag that weighs similarly to a bag of bricks than male passengers.
2: <laughs> I believe that. I yes. believe
4: that. All right. So, this
2: is actually something I've been interested in because we were talking about it this week. We had a couple of stories about JetBlue and then United adding fees to carry on bags. Do you think there's been, like, a real surge in people trying to bring on carry-on luggage onto a plane? And, like, why is that? And, like, when you were flying, was that, was it, were you having to, like, check as many people's bags at the gate? It feels like this thing that started happening that didn't used to happen.
4: That started happening really when I was a gate agent. That was a huge problem. And it causes anger on both sides because the crew is trying desperately to get the flight out on time. The gate agents are trying to get the flight out on time. People don't want to pay the fees to check their bags, so they are carrying on more things. So I think you're right there. But the issue is that in order to prevent delays, the gate agents without consulting with the flight attendants will just say, okay, we're full, like when they get to zone, whatever, one of the later zones, they'll just cut off people bringing on their carry-on bags. But this is just a complete guess and then the people on the plane are angry at the flight attendants because they see all of these empty overhead bins. I did it's not ha- know that. It's
1: happened to me before and I was furious. I was denied my bag to to bring my bag on a flight and I was so annoyed about it and I was sort of, I know that I was one of the last passengers to board, but I, I kind of fought them on it and then I was just like had to give in and then I was sat in my seat and I'm not kidding for 15 minutes, 15 minutes, I watched people bring their suitcases on board and I was so furious about it.
4: That's but because there's no time it, for the yeah. attendants to communicate with the gate agents to tell them whether or not there's space left. So the gate agents are just completely... Making guessing. a call. Yeah. Yep.
1: Hmm. I didn't know that. Challenge them, people. Challenge them next time. They try to take your bag <laughs> away from you.
4: Ooh. Is
3: that okay behavior?
2: <laughs> yes. I think it's... Is that, is, if they're is, making
4: it? shit up, yes, it is. Yes, it is. <laughs> no, I, yeah, because they love being challenged. <laughs>
1: Yeah, they're not going to like you for it. They're going to make your life more difficult, but fuck it.
4: No, but one thing you can say is I will let me bring it down and ask the flight attendant, and if they don't, I'm glad to check it if there is really not room.
2: Ooh, Ooh good um, tip. Yeah, that's a great tip. And and will they will gate agents usually be like, okay, or will they just laugh at you?
4: It really depends on the range of gate agents. Like some people are just angry all the time because yeah. the nature of the job, it's a really awful job. So. But uh, I think there are enough really friendly if you get someone who's nice and smiling and seems to be A reasonable person. I say go for it. Why not ask? Do you think it's better to
3: ask when they do that call for like, okay, we're full bring your bag up or is it better to like do it when you're Boarding
2: and When you're
4: boarding, because they don't have time. Yeah, they, they're so busy at that point. Yeah
2: So those announcements are like bullshit when they say volunteer
4: Usually yeah they usually plan on having to do that whenever they see that the flight is fully booked or booked almost to capacity. They're just expecting to, in the later zones, yeah. decide on time and start checking bags. But every now and then, like if it really depends on the airport and the way they're running things, the flight attendants will actually call and say, We're full. That happens sometimes. So sometimes it is legitimate. So you can't expect to always challenge this. As I know you're just making this up, this is bullshit. Sidra told me. <laughs>
2: Yeah, <laughs> a, a flight attendant professional. Yeah, <laughs> actually, like the lack of communication between the flight attendants and the gate agent I experienced a few months ago, where I had my smart luggage with me and it went through TSA. I rolled it like past the gate agent. They like you know scanned my ticket. I boarded the plane. I sat down. I had my bag in the overhead, and then a flight attendant made me get off because it was a smart like a smart bag and take it off and go back to the gate. And they had to get a screwdriver and take the battery out while everyone sat on the plane waiting. But it was just crazy because it was like I'd gone past the gate agents and they were fine. And then it was only when this when the flight attendant walked past the overhead bin and saw my case, they were like, no, you can't have it. Hmm.
4: I think that's a safety thing, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's like a
2: yeah, so it's like they should—they should have removed the battery. Like it made sense, but my like walk of shame off the plane was not particularly enjoyable. Okay, on to the next one: pajamas on the plane or in the airport. One woman in the group had very, very, very <laughs> strong opinions against it. I've never worn pajamas on a plane or in an airport,
1: and I hate when I see how many people actually do that. A lot of people do it, or like yeah, pants. That I'm sorry, they're definitely pajama pants that you're wearing. I wear pajamas on the plane, but I change. On the plane.
3: On the plane. That's fine. And then do you change before the plane lands again? Mm -hmm. But I'm pretty sure I probably have also worn pajamas on a plane. Erin, come on. You flew when you were like two years old. You were wearing pajamas. I don't know that it was. Guilty. I I don't know that I was. (laughs) I did. I definitely did as a kid. Uh,
1: Okay. Okay. Under the age of five gets a Pass. I'm
3: talking adults. I'm talking people <laughs> that are dressing themselves. Yeah.
1: So my parents would have put
2: me in my pajamas. I'm going under the assumption that this woman was also talking Sorry, about Sorry, guys.
1: Her I thought adults. you were talking about kids. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I dress comfortably. I'm not dressing up for my flight. I dress, I'll wear like black yoga pants and things like that to be comfortable and not at all, you know, dressy. But pajamas is where I draw the line. Boarding in pajamas is where I draw the line. I've changed into pajamas too.
4: I like to live in a bit of a fairy tale and pretend it's still the golden age of air travel. So I, I try to dress nicely for flights, like nice but comfortable. But I really don't. I don't care that much for other people where I can live in my own little world by myself. <laughs> but I think I think pajamas might be a little socially unacceptable, but at least in the airport. Once you're on the plane, no one can see you. Who cares? But leggings are a good compromise, I would mm-hmm,
2: say. Mm-hmm. What was the story of the like girl that wasn't allowed on a flight because she was wearing mm-hmm. leggings. Yeah. Oh
4: yes. She I was remember. on a companion pass, wasn't she? She was. Um that used to be the rule for a lot of airlines when you were traveling standby and you were an employee or on one of their passes that you would have to dress dress up like business casual at least. Mm. But those rules are mostly gone. So mm-hmm. I'm not sure if it was still in place or not for the, in that case.
2: It's just hard because I also really like the idea of dressing up a bit when you're, like, taking a big trip because it just sort of, like, makes it feel, like, important and exciting and, like, I don't know, my, like, my grandpa would always wear a suit when he took the train from Wales, which was <laughs> ridiculous, but also kind of wonderful. But then at the same time, like, sometimes like, boarding a plane and sitting in economy can be one of the more degrading experiences of your life. Mm. And uh, you, I, I just can't, I need I need comfort. I need, I need it. Yeah.
3: So is that a yes, you wear pajamas
4: sometimes?
2: I have a pair of, like, unigo legging things yeah. I wear.
4: No, I would say that that's a good point, though. If I'm flying first class, I'm far more likely to dress up, but if I'm in the economy, the, the more casual, casual is okay.
2: Agree. I actually um I interviewed Jonathan from Queer Eye this week. Big moment. And he said that sometimes if he's feeling a little down and needs a pick-me-up, he'll wear heels to the airport, which I really enjoyed.
1: Nice wow. tip. You know? That's impressive. And they're easier to get off in security. Yeah, it's true. Mm-hmm. Sure.
2: Okay, which also taking your shoes off takes me to the next one, which is one woman wrote, taking your shoes off on the plane, anything related to feet, bare feet, shoeless (laughs) socked feet, feet on seats, bare feet on seats, strangers feet. Okay,
1: so (laughs) let me start by saying, this is where me and Catherine part ways, this is where we, this is where we diverge. I put my feet on the seat, I put my feet on the seat rest I'm to a point where it's visible and could quite possibly touch the arm of the person in the chair in front of me. I take my shoes off. I have taken my socks off, but I never walk around with my socks off. That's gross. I, yeah, I just can't keep my feet in my
2: shoes and I can't keep them on the floor. And so when you put your foot up on the armrest in front of you, is your foot in a sock? yeah. I like to think that
1: it is. <laughs> She's like on my best days. No, it is. I'm not putting my bare foot up there. Even I, even I have a, a certain standard. Uh, but it's and it's not like for five minutes my foot's up there. Like my foot's up there all flight, all flight. And even I just can't sit with my feet on the ground. Have
2: people I'm like the same way. yeah? Ooh,
4: okay, good. Twist in the tail. Oh.
2: <laughs> Citrus.
4: No, I, I'm exactly the same way. I'm really uncomfortable in shoes and in, in socks. I'll take my socks off. I don't care. I, I can't have my feet below me, like, like on the floor. I always tuck them under me. Me too. I I'm sitting that,
1: with my feet like, oh. underneath me right now.
4: Same here. I'm sitting like Indian style. So <laughs> I completely agree. If I want to be comfortable on the plane, I need my shoes off. But I agree I won't walk around without socks on on the plane. That's that's where it takes it a step too far. But I need to be comfortable.
1: I also think they're encouraging you to take your shoes off the way they give you those disgusting disposable socks.
2: Actually, I agree with that. There's an expectation that you're yeah. removing your shoes. Wait,
3: are we talking about the socks like in business and first class? No, no like the economy. awful ones in economy. <laughs> Wait, they give you socks? Virgin yeah. have these like bright, oh. lurid, red. Oh. Uh, yeah. Oh, I Catherine's seen- like, oh, I've never, I've never, been <laughs> I've in never economy. flown economy. <laughs> no, I've never gotten free socks in economy. But hey. Well, they,
1: they don't do much. They- and they're definitely are like one, like single use only.
3: <laughs> Not to, like,
1: <laughs> they feel
3: horrible. <laughs> they're gross. <laughs> I, I'm fine for like taking your shoes off if your feet don't smell. But that's hard to gauge i guess for some people but like the putting the feet up is where like i've been sitting in my seat and i feel like a little furry thing and my elbow and it's <laughs> or it's just like it's someone's foot and then i jab it back and then it's still there Wait, it's an air in florio were you sitting in front of me there? no but like it's when some, someone's sock sort of creeps up mm. i felt like the cold flesh of a toe
4: oh. my elbow. Oh. I love that you said you jab it back because I've definitely done that with people where I get into a bit of an elbow jabbing contest with people.
3: (laughs) And I have long legs, so I understand the urge to put your feet up. I don't know. But I usually just can like stretch them out. I have had the thing where I stretch my legs out and I'm like, hit the person's feet in front of me. (laughs) I mean, I'm quite tall. Yeah, I've never had that problem. Like where I'm like scooting way down and then I'm like, (laughs) oh. (laughs) <laughs> brick wall that's someone's feet <laughs> i've had the person behind me do it to me oh okay not my oh. little feet <laughs> you'd be like <laughs> sliding on the floor trying to
2: scoot your feet there. might be more comfortable yeah. <laughs> i actually was guilty i think it was the first time i ever took a long haul flight um which was from london to the caribbean it was about eight or nine hours and um i was so unbearably uncomfortable and like didn't have any of my like like plain tricks or any or like anything to like make things comfortable and i was like 15 that i like i was guilty i took my socks off i put my (laughs) foot up on like someone's footrest and then this very angry woman grabbed my foot like with her whole hand and shoved it my foot back (laughs) and i was shamed
3: never 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 done done it it again. again maybe that's the maybe that's the solution (laughs) <laughs> publicly shaming. First first I have to grab someone's foot and mm. shove it back, but Yeah. It was fine. My my feet were fine. They weren't gross. I don't yeah. think
4: anyone grabs my foot, I'm
2: kicking. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, and then so also feet related I think it's safe to say that no one, I hope no one's done this. Um is clipping toenails on the plane.
1: Oh. oh. I've no. never clipped never <laughs> No. I've done nails. My, I've done my nails and been told off by the flight attendant that you can't, oh, Aaron, yeah. that you can't open nail polish on a plane. <laughs> you would think. <laughs> I didn't think about it. And so I stopped. Like well, these people been will turbulent. be fun. <laughs>
4: so it <would've> been like.
1: <laughs> yeah, never, I didn't think about that.
4: That reminds me, though, of a similar behavior that I've seen, which completely shocked me, which I would feel the same way if I saw anyone clipping their nails on the plane. But I, when I was a gate agent, A man came up and was shaving with his (gasps) razor at the gate while asking me a question. He's just standing there (laughs) in his face. And I was just speechless. I couldn't respond to anything he was saying because my mouth was hanging open. I'm just staring at this man walking around the airport, shaving his face, letting the little strands of hair fall to the ground.
1: I do think this touches on something that I hope we get into in a a little while, which is just the absolute lawlessness that is an airport. Like the way people behave is just, they would never do that outside the airport walls. I mean, I have to imagine, I have to imagine, because there's certain things that I do inside an airport that I know that I'm not doing outside an airport wall. And it's not that exciting, but it's, you know, there's something about like, it's like your life is in limbo when you're in an airport. Like it's really just a holding place for people, right? And and it makes people do things they wouldn't normally do. Like, I imagine that man isn't walking into a bank shaving his face. You know
4: what I, I mean? Would. I hope not.
1: I have
2: so no, many I, questions about I, this yeah. man.
4: Yeah, there are so many things that happen in the airport that you just hope people that this it people behave this way in real life. <laughs> exactly, it's lawless. It's like
1: societal norms, societal behavior, all suspended.
2: Wait, but what do you do?
1: I mean, like really basic things. I mean, I, I know everyone's guilty of this, but like it doesn't matter if it's seven o'clock in the morning. You have a drink and it's totally fine. And it's still something that
2: I think That's is quite very, strange. very, very British attitude. But everybody,
1: everybody does it. Americans still Like yeah. everyone, like time is suspended. Societal norms are suspended. You drink whenever you want. And also like I, I, I kind of, I always find it easier. I mean, I'm happy to like chat to people strangers anywhere anyway I always have conversations with people at airport bars have really good conversations with people at airport bars because you know that there is like such a definite timeline to like there's such a definite ending point so like the people can be a lot more candid I find people are more candid with strangers in airports
2: I don't know you know I don't know Just I would, agree. I would agree with that mm. I've, whenever I'm traveling on my own I'll always have a glass of wine in we chat to at the airport <laughs> bar and we'll talk to as long as they seem like relatively sane I will talk to the
3: person next to me I don't like talking to anybody but I do always go to Chili's at the airport Chili's to
2: go is an airport staple I did want to ask this question mostly because this was a car game I played on the weekend which was for rest stops Mm. but in an airport what is your ideal combination of fast food establishments? What do you mean I get two? Oh I think you can get three Okay
1: Okay, so I actually, I love, again, things are different inside an airport than they are in the real world for me. I admit I love fast food in the real world. I don't eat it. I don't touch it inside an airport for some reason. There's something about it that doesn't seem right to me. The exception, mm. and I think this is because it's, I so associate it with airports, especially American airports, is a Sparrows. Oh, yeah. Sparrows is like the quintessential airport, American
3: airport thing to me. My three would be... Auntie Anne's, obviously, because I'm like a huge Auntie Anne's fan, big time. Do you eat it in the real world, too, or only in airports? No. It's an airport thing. Yeah, it's an airport thing. Train stations? But I would eat it at a train station. Like, Penn Mm. Station has like five. I'm like, what's that lovely smell? Uh, (laughs) Taco Bell, which is probably terrible pre-flight um don't bring it on the plane <laughs> and well culver's which to my knowledge does not exist never heard of it yeah I've so it's heard like of a it, midwest either. thing and they have butter burgers where they smash their burgers and fry them in butter it's so, so that's the good. most midwest thing I've Wait, ever they heard. Burgers i smash the heard and they have cheese butter. curds anyone out there tweet me about culver's yeah well, no, they, they, they take the patty, and then mm-hmm. they're called butter burgers, and then they just like it's kind of like a patty melt, right? Don't, isn't a patty mouth cooked in butter or something? I don't, I don't know, is it? Whatever but it's really good, and it gets really crispy, and it's thin patty. So those are my three. Those are pretty solid. Now I'm really hungry. Sidra?
4: I'm a vegetarian, so oh. fast food is pretty hard for me. So that, for that reason, Sparrow is always a good find, so I can have a slice of pizza. Or a Dunkin' Donuts, so I can have just like egg and cheese on a biscuit. Or... For the most part, I end up eating pastry from whatever coffee shop is available just because, like you said, the rules are different. And I will eat mm-hmm. any amount of calories in the airport to get me through the, the flight experience as a vegetarian. So it's uh, – yeah, fast food's tough for me. Yeah, I agree though.
1: I eat calories in an airport. I, oh, absolutely. I'm like uh, – it's a super calorific meal. Anything I eat in an airport, I like suspend any notion of maybe I should get the salad.
4: I also,
2: exactly. if I'm getting like a evening flight, I will have dinner in the airport, and then I will have dinner on the plane a hundred percent. I totally agree, <laughs> and then I feel disgusting. It's fun,
1: I think, to eat in the airport because you allow yourself to do things like not diet or eat the calories that I don't let myself or I feel bad about doing when I'm like, again, life is different inside an airport for better or for worse, it's different life is different,
4: stressful. so the food kind of helps you get through these hours and this awful awful traveling experience and like you said time is suspended so there is no right time to eat there is no wrong time to drink so it's just you just do what you can to get through the day (laughs) i used to
2: it's gone from jfk terminal 7 now but there was a mcdonald's there for a long time and it would be my dinner before flying to london every time and it was so foul, but like mm. I every time I was like, while well, I'm here, I'm gonna have the McDonalds. What else could I possibly eat? Which also there's nothing else to eat in that terminal. Mm. So it really was just the McDonald's.
1: Actually I have to say I don't mind a good Shake Shack in an airport. Yeah, I Shake Shack. Ooh,
3: and if you've an I'm early morning shack. flight and you can they get it. Breakfast breakfast. Yeah. But they should have tarts instead of those crinkle fries for breakfast. Fair, Different podcast fair point. Fair Sorry. Point. Next time. Fair point.
1: Yeah.
3: Danny Meyer, you are, are you just, listening? <laughs> staring at me like, whoa.
2: <laughs> Most outrageous thing yeah. yet. <laughs> okay, this one, I feel like, Catherine, you are not going to like it. Um, this, someone in the group had said, loud talkers, people that talk to
3: each other or to you for the whole flight. <laughs> Do I li- have I done that? No. Do I like that? No. Loud talkers?
1: Especially when I'm not included in the conversation, even when I am, are one of my biggest pet peeves in like, life. I can I think it in feel life, incredibly inconsiderate. In
3: I can feel my blood pressure like <sighs> rising, and even if I put in like those girls on the bus, I was telling you about the other mm-hmm. day when I had my headphones on, and I can hear them talking about where to go for Labor Day and should I go to Toronto. Well, where's Toronto? I've never heard it's in Canada. Oh. <laughs> I uh, it, it, it was it a real conversation once
1: you notice it and you try to do things like put on headphones. when you try to do things to distract yourself, all you can hear still <laughs> is the conversation. like you never block it out. It drives me crazy. Yeah. I really it, feel like you know how trains have the quiet car plane we need quiet planes.
4: If oh, anything yes. would make me strangle another passenger on a flight, it would be the loud talking. <laughs> oh, really? It's, it drives me absolutely crazy. I agree. There's no way to get away from it because you put on your headphones, you could still hear that faint oh, it's talking. It's, it's just awful. And I don't I really like to be left alone when I'm on a flight. If someone talks to me, I don't want to talk to you. I just want to be left alone in my little bubble to deal mm-hmm. with the experience as best I can with my pastries and <laughs> my solitude. Um, so it, it drives me crazy. But so that is a good question, though.
3: Like if you have someone and you feel like you're talking to them and it's going well on a flight, is it just reading social cues or is it kind of like, okay, I'm going to try and leave this person alone because I'm going to assume that people like to be left alone for portions of the flight? Like that might be a dumb question, but I think you have to just read social
1: cues because I've definitely sat next to people. And like, I've quite enjoyed talking to them, but we were sort of similar age, very like-minded. The conversation was very easy. And then there's other conversations that I have where I'm reached a point where I'm just being polite and I don't Mm want to have to be polite anymore. And it's bothersome. And it's also, I also think this is a good tip. If you want to talk to somebody, but you don't want to be like awkward about it, start the conversation at the end of the flight because then it has to come to a natural finish in like 15 minutes or 20 minutes or whatever it is. Because if you start at the beginning and then you don't know how to
3: like get out of it, it can be a very uncomfortable three hours. You just sort of reach for your headphones.
2: (laughs) "Um, There they are. I once (laughs) had a great experience when I... happened to be sitting with the band taking back sunday on a flight and i talked to them for the whole time that's cool they started the conversation and we watched 17 again with zach efron it
1: was great i've had like great i i sat next to this woman on a flight in new zealand uh like maybe last year and she was in her 70s and she was just this lovely you know cheery old new zealand woman and i was very happy to sort of make you know polite conversation with her for a bit and she was telling me about how, the time she was a cocktail waitress in auckland in like 1960 whatever and she served the beatles and it was like a fascinating yeah. anecdote and i will always remember that so you can get some cool yeah. you sure. can talk to some interesting
4: people okay. Have- that you can have wonderful conversations with. But I agree, you just have to read the social cues. But some people are awful at that. Like, I've been there with a book very clearly trying to read, and the person next to me will not stop trying to talk to me. And I like raise the book up higher and higher, start like. <laughs> into the window and this person's just like well, he, <laughs> you're like pressed against the window like. <laughs> like, trying so to have a conversation with me. like not everyone is good at reading these social cues and not everyone is going to be the interesting conversation but I agree if you, get, if you happen to get that person that's really great to talk to there are some there's certainly a lot of wonderful people out there that you can meet while traveling
3: I think it's also okay to say like if you're doing the thing with the book to say like it was really nice talking to you but like I really wanted to read this, or like I really have some... <laughs> oh no, but I'm think? just so scared of yeah, confrontation. I can't, I can't, I can't, can't say it. I would <laughs> rather. Not, I would rather endure, okay,
1: so endure, endure it a yes for eight no. hours than <laughs> I mean, say that I don't want to talk to I'm you. The same way. I
4: can't. I can't <laughs> but there's possibly a nice say way it.
1: To do it. Is, is there? there? <laughs> or what you do, or what you do is you get up because you. And I'm using air quotes right now, people. Go because you need to go to the bathroom, and you hope by the time it comes back, you get back. (laughs) The conversation (laughs) just isn't there anymore. I don't know.
2: I once got on a plane, and again, it was like a long haul, like night flight, and my seat was by the window, and there was a man in the middle seat, and I was like, "Excuse me, I'm sitting by the window. I have to get through." And he looked up at me, and he went, "Oh, lucky me." Oh, no, He did not. <laughs> and I was just horrible. like, "Oh God. shit. <laughs> and then he proceeded to hit on me mm. for the entire flight. and and I, at one point, I was like, i really I really need to go to sleep, but I'm like terrified of this man. Like, yeah. can I sleep next to him?" Mm. And then he started, I like kind of did the thing where I was like, "I'm gonna read now." and like tried to ignore him. And then to get my attention, he kept reaching over into my like, seat pocket in front of me and taking my magazines out opening it and asking if I thought like different women in the magazine were attractive and I was like that's looking up at the exactly. flight attendants like screaming with my eyes and like no one did anything it was terrible
4: it was horrible oh that's so uncomfortable
2: yeah so that was so that was my ex- my extreme experience mm, mm. sorry to bring a downer on the conversation
3: <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> it happens <laughs>
2: oh yeah this is something i really hate like makes my skin crawl people also do it at the end of movies which is clap your hands when the plane lands see it just confuses
1: me because i'm like i'm sorry did you not think we were gonna make it it seems to me like it's a sign of like relief and job well done and i'm like wait a second are you all i mean i'm i'm happy we made it too, but it makes me think that they didn't know we were going to and I find it really strange I don't like it I think it's weird it's a European thing that has been a, uh, that I see happening more and more frequently in America I swear it never used to happen in America and now it, it happens doesn't really a lot. happen here it's yeah. more in Europe but I see it here now too. And I'm always just like, it, I just find it confusing. Also, were they
2: sat on
3: that plane the whole time being like, I don't know I
2: gonna, don't. will I get there? <sighs>
3: <sighs> Touchdown. I mean, I, I have done it when like <laughs> the Ryanair thing is like, dun, 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 dun. and then the little clapping thing. I'm like, yeah, sure, why not join no, it in? No, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> but I wouldn't ever start it. Maybe I'll start doing it, Lale. Started it no. up in the U.S. on a Southwest flight. Just Catherine is
1: looking less and less likely you and I are actually going to be traveling. <laughs> yeah, I'm never I'm saying that. to you on a plane. i have done <laughs> it. I
3: don't get the point. Okay. So yes and yeah. no. Ooh, so as I've a seen flight seen attendant, before. did you appreciate the applause? <laughs>
4: <laughs> I'm always for a good celebration, so it doesn't really bother me. Like it makes things more festive, I guess. But I've really only seen it in the U.S. when we've been on flights where I understand they didn't think we were going to make it oh, because God. there was a <sighs> things like that. And then I feel like applauding a bit, too, because you're like, oh, I was actually a little nervous, too. But in the usual cases of just an average flight, I don't really see the point. Sidra, I have a question, and this is
1: going to tap into my deep set fear of I don't like flying. I'm a nervous flyer, even though I fly all the time. I often wonder what it's like for the trained crew and the personnel during especially touch and go sort of situations or when there's extreme. I mean, first of all, as somebody who really understands flying better than most passengers, does turbulence make you nervous ever?
4: Not in general. I had to deal with turbulence very regularly, but I did have two cases of extreme turbulence, one where I was thrown to the ceiling and I was off work for a couple of days because I hit the ceiling. So that case was kind of scary, but it was, uh, I don't know, you just get used to it. It's just a regular part of flying. For the most part, you will just go on about your job and you kind of become like a mountain goat with this really great balance. So you're walking around the plane feeling very confident about yourself. I guess my question is, at what point does, I'm the trained
1: member of the crew that needs to be able to keep a level head and help people in case of an emergency. At what point do you lose that and you become a human again and you're also scared and you're unable to fulfill those duties? I mean, did you ever sort of feel like that line was becoming blurred if you ever had to engage it? I'm always curious how how the flight crew is also expected to keep their cool in an emergency.
4: I was actually shocked at how quickly, I'm gonna kind of go with the reverse here, how quickly I went into the mentality of, I'm a professional, I've got this under control. As soon as I was out of uh, the three months of training, my first flight, you get on there and you just feel very in control of the situation. You have Mm. confidence and you have, you just, you've you've been through really extensive training and these really stressful emergency evacuation drills in simulated environments. And so you, when you're on the plane, you are on duty, you feel ready to handle any situation. And I felt like even that time when I hit the ceiling, I wanted to cry so badly, but I jumped up and I started smiling and comforting the passengers and telling them, it's okay, I'm fine, I'm fine. Mm-hmm. And I was smiling, just like crying inside. And I sat down in my jump seat across from all these other passengers and the turbulence was so bad that everyone's drinks hit the ceiling. Like Had they not been buckled in for landing, yeah. they everyone there would have been a lot of injuries but, and it was really sudden turbulence. We weren't given any warning by the pilots in the case. So, which is why you should always buckle your seatbelt when you're in the, in your seat, like the, like the crew tells you, there's my little safety tip while we're, while we're here. Um, yeah, so I, I just, it's, it's just ingrained into you. And I think there was only one time where I, I felt inside, like I was, actually getting nervous and that was when a smoke alarm started going off on the flight and I did smell some smoke because mm. that's a terrifying situation it all worked out okay however uh, that was the only time I felt nervous but I was still projecting complete calm to the passengers because that's the last thing you need if something is going on as a plane full of panicked people yeah. there
2: was um recently I was on a plane and um suddenly there was all this yelling and banging on the um, like toilet door because someone was vaping in there.
4: (laughs) Oh gosh. I was- That probably
2: happens
4: a lot these days.
1: Well, that's what I was thinking. I was on an airplane once when the dude sitting next to me got up and smoked a few drags of a cigarette in the toilet like an like an like a uh, cigarette I mean cigarette. this was like this was well before vaping was this was when I was 20 years old or something I remember I was flying back to the states from New Zealand and I was sat between this like Re- well, this was actually an instance where it was fun to sit next to strangers. I was like, there was a British guy on one side and there was a Kiwi guy on the other side of me and the three of us just drank and had a great time for like 12 hours. And the British guy was a very, very nervous flyer and he was drunk and he had to go to the restroom and smoke a few drinks of a cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> like how many times, how often can
2: this happen? You know, I It does just- happen all the time. Yeah. Okay, well we're getting towards the end now. Um, this is another thing that actually drives me insane which is when you're going through security and the people in front of you do not stack up the security trays and they just leave them all there and then everything gets backlogged. And I'm always the person that like huffs and puffs and makes a big show of tidying them all up and putting them in the thing so I can get my stuff.
1: Yeah, Drives me nuts. I do the same thing. I always like feel it's like my civic duty and I want to get like the, the... the gold star that day with yeah. the airport security And then I like people. smile at the TSA <laughs> agent. And they do and... shit. Yeah, yeah no, no they, they're it's... pissed off anyway. No, I yeah. just
3: leave them. <laughs> so. Captain's like, I want to watch the world burn. <laughs> I'm just like, it's your job, not mine.
4: <laughs> no, I feel a sense of duty too. I always, I stack them up.
3: <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I'm out on this one, but hey.
2: Which also, wasn't there a study that came out this week that the, the trays at security are the dirtiest parts of an airport? <laughs> yep dirtier than the toilet seat even uh, better reason
1: not to touch them <laughs> that's true it does make you know <laughs> yeah, want touch actually, them actually maybe I won't stack them but now. it's because people put their shoes in there and you know what is on the bottom of people's shoes oh, stuff that is fair. dirtier than a
2: toilet seat <laughs> like, that's, that's where I think most of the viruses are coming from it's the shoes that makes sense I actually hadn't made that mm-hmm. connection I just thought it was people's hands and was it's deeply horrified <laughs> one more which is really just for the benefit of Catherine which is <laughs> eating
3: my weight in Auntie Anne's Eating my weight? Yes. Yeah, that's what I do. Every Wait, time. Wait, what's the question? Yes or no? Guilty? Just guilty. Guilty, totally. Yeah. yeah. I love
1: Auntie Anne's. Never have I ever. No. Nope. <sighs> Never Aaron. done it?
3: Sidra.
4: I've had one. I don't think I ever want more than it's one. It's a vegetarian
3: though. option. Yeah. It's, it is. Delicious. <laughs> Very healthy. It is. I'll even bring it on a plane. But that is another question. Do you take your trash off the plane or do you leave it? This oh. is one I'm curious about because I'm like, I... Like the turnaround time between flights is like very quick. Mm -hmm. I don't know, Sidra chime in here, if they clean them, like, you know, it's ideal that they clean them between every flight,
4: but like, Mm -hmm. what? I said, leave your trash. Yeah. There's, there's a cleaning crew that comes on between every flight. Unless, unless you're on one of those tiny little planes, then it is like the connection carriers. Those flight crews are responsible for cleaning the plane themselves if you're on a big plane, it's fine to leave your trash. They have a cleaning crew coming on. But if you're on one of the little connection carriers, it's probably a big help to the flight crew to take off your trash. Or at least be t- be tidy about it. Don't leave like a pile of Cheerios on the floor like families with small children are wont to do.
2: Also, most of the time when you're on a plane there is, um someone comes along with a trash bag and asks if you want to put trash in there at some point.
3: Yeah, I read that this... Sorry, Lolly, I keep asking these questions. But I read that there was a story recently about people were annoyed or flight attendants are annoyed if they go back like buy with the trash bag. And then you ding the, didn't we have a debate about this? Oh, like using the dinging. Dinging the, the, dinging. the dinging
1: etiquette. Yes. Ooh. Actually, this is a big topic I think, but anyway, please finish your story. No, yeah, but then really I want to get into the but dinging. It's like
2: I ding. Yeah. But that's when it. do you ding?
3: I've never dinged. I usually I usually do it if like someone is sleeping next to me and I can't get out or like they have a light on or I have a question, I don't want to disturb them or I've been sleeping. But usually like I feel like maybe this is the wrong thing to do. I'll usually go up and like go back in the galley and be like, hey, can I have a drink? Is that wrong to interrupt them when they're, I don't know, you you guys tell me what you do. I had a conflict,
1: an internal conflict Semi existential conflict on a plane not long ago. And I did write this in when we did this debate. And, I, and it still haunts me. And Cedar, I think I, te- I got in touch with you for validation that it was an okay thing to do. Where I was on this flight and it was a horrible flight and it was really long. And I was flying from Johannesburg to Rome and I was in the window seat and the person, and it was a nighttime flight and the person next to me was asleep and the person next to that person was asleep. And there was just no way I was getting up. I was getting out. Like, no way. Oh, that's awesome. And I really wanted a second cocktail. I wanted a second gin and tonic and i was like can i ding for a gin or can i not ding for a gin is that inappropriate in the olden days definitely could have done 100 on the olden days they would have been coming by with a martini card and offering <laughs> me my second drink let's be honest <laughs> and i went back and forth and then of course the gin was more important than my manners so i dinged and i said can i have a gin please like a fucking asshole and they brought me my gin. (laughs) i felt so rude but i just really wanted it and yeah i I still clearly i'm still not okay
3: with what i did i don't think that's rude but that's just me did you miss the drink service or you just wanted another one it
1: was it was second Uh, drink so
3: i I got it i got it fair game when they came around (laughs) i just wasn't
1: ready to stop drinking and then I was like, well, maybe they want something to do. They're bored back there.
2: Right? <laughs> or is that not the right way of thinking so, about it? You just things? hung out on the plane, yeah, right? Were just waiting for the ding to
1: go off, right? No, just they're... hoping that you could get the, per- the be the person to answer the call, right? Right? <laughs> <laughs>
4: well, you're definitely interrupting or reading their book or whatever, or their conversation, but it's completely okay to ding. Only if you've done everything else right. Like If you're on your second round and you need another drink, that's completely fine, but if... If the drink service hasn't even come around yet for the first time and you're dinging the bell while they're trying to get the carts ready, that is so rude. Yeah. And people do that all the time. Oh, they do? Uh, just, just wait for That's the service. That's are back there putting the cart together. And instead of being able to serve everyone, they are coming and waiting on you hand and foot. So do not ding <laughs> until the service <laughs> happens. It's okay if, if you really need something. So, yeah, it, it's okay. You can, you can uh, let your guilt be washed away. It's like a confessional. She's your
3: Catholic priest. you hear my priest. <laughs> Thank you. I didn't violate
1: Skylaw egregiously. <laughs> what is Skylaw? Have you not seen that episode of 30
4: Rock Skylaw? No, I, I don't oh, watch 30 Rock.
1: Great episode. Know. Matt Damon, pilot. Skylaw. Never mind. Can I
4: talk about one of my biggest pet peeves? Please. Yes. Yes. So... Have you been on a plane where people have these devices for their kids and they leave the sound on? Or anyone on their cell phone playing a game with the sound on and it's dingy, 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 and you're making awful sounds and they leave it on for the whole flight? No, I don't think that I have, actually. no, I've I've heard
2: that. That was on actually a recent flight. And it's terrible, but because it's someone's child, you, like, can't go over and tell them to
4: stop. (laughs)
2: Ridiculous. yes I,
4: I kept kind of making a giving a look at the flight attendant like looking at her and looking at the seat behind me and looking at her and like hoping she would say something <laughs> instead because i just i didn't feel like i had the right to tell this kid to turn off the sound on their damn game <laughs> so i was hoping she would but instead i just sucked it up and was quiet for the whole flight and also you know I- to- this day you ha- you have to
2: ask though like what's worse the sound of that game or the sound of them crying when the game's taken away from them
4: However, I've seen adults play
2: games with the sound on, too. Oh, yeah. they do. I've seen adults do that on the subway as well. Yeah. Um, okay, I actually have one more. I have one more, and then we will wrap this up. But really, we could go on forever. But this was actually in the group. Our very own Rachel Coleman, our so- social media director, had said, when the person in front of you reclines their seat for the duration of the flight and never checks to see if you're okay with it. I never check with the person behind me. I have never checked <laughs> with never the person asked. behind me. I
1: think
3: it's like I can recline mine. And if they have a problem with it, they can recline theirs. I recline, but I don't do it during meal service. No, during meal I, service, the flight attendants even tell you. you yeah, should yeah I mean, yeah. I don't check because I agree with Aaron. If you don't want me to recline, take that function away from the seat. Yeah.
4: I don't check, but I do go back slowly. And that's one of my biggest pet peeves is, have you ever been working on your laptop on the plane? And then they slam their seat back into you and your laptop almost breaks. Or your gin and tonic. Gin and tonic goes flying. Then you have to ding for another one. And then you have to ding for another one. (laughs) (laughs) It's very controversial. So so it's completely okay. to. I would say it's okay to recline your seat. Just do it slowly and don't slam into the person behind you without any warning.
2: Um, well, lesson learned, everyone.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and I think at this point we've probably exhausted the topic, but I could talk about it for three more hours. No, I reckon we should have do a part we've, two. We've got so we many things think we should I do a part two. <laughs> All right, we'll, we'll we'll field it to the group. <laughs> okay, great. Well, where
4: can everyone be found on social media, Sidra? I'm at Sidra Photography on Instagram, S-I-D-R-A, and. Sidra Montreal photography on Facebook.
3: Catherine, and I'm on
4: Twitter. Are you checking
3: your handle on your no. phone. I am. Am No. Everyone's so mean to me. I'm on Twitter at KJ Lagrave. I'm on Instagram at Aaron underscore Florio. And I'm on
2: Instagram at Lale and you can find Women Who Travel on iTunes and all your podcast listening platforms and all those things. And we'll be back next week.